Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Corliss L., and I am a compulsive overeater. I'm grateful to be here today to share my experience, my strength, and my hope. Um, before I start, I'd like to begin with this prayer that I credit to Danielle G. from Toronto. And it says, God, fill my mouth with all your stuff and shut it when I've said enough. Amen. And I'd like to start off with an apology to my interpreters and translators and say, I'm sorry I didn't send you some notes beforehand and there are no pictures. But today I'm on this bariatric panel with you. And I wanna state that according to Tradition 12, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside views. Hence, I'll never be drawn into public controversy. And I say this because personally, many people have a lot of different ideas about waste, weight loss surgery and its place in OA. So what it's like, what happened to change me and what it's like now? What it's like. Um, I've been a compulsive overeater for as long as I can remember. And what it's like is that when I first, it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, for me, it was not about the food, it was about the emotion. So then it was about the food. So it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? So my experience is growing up, food was my escape from reality. Um, I'm adult child of alcoholics, um, codependents, and all the other isms that, that we get in our, you know, that bring us to program. And as I got older, I used all of the other coping mechanisms. I used food, I went to alcohol, I went to drugs, and whatever it was that I could get a hold to that would change the reality that would make me feel better, that would take away the pain, that would help me to not feel whatever it was I was feeling, which I've identified has been mostly fear. I was always scared and didn't know it. I was scared because of you know my parents fighting. I was scared because I didn't know what to do. I was scared because I always felt awkward in social situations. And so to cope, I would use my beginning tool was food. I came into OA in about 1980. And when I came in, I was about 282 pounds. I don't remember a whole lot about it, except that I know it was at this church. In West LA, and that um, this convention is about diversity. And back in those days, there wasn't a lot of it. I was young, I was black, and the people that I saw were just the opposite of that. But what I related to and what made me keep coming back was the emotions, the emotions that were surrounding our collective use of food. And that was my common ground. I would come back. But what wasn't happening was um, 
I stayed in OA for that year and I would go to meetings and do whatever, but I wasn't really involved in the program or working a program. And so the next year I checked myself into a care unit hospital treatment program. And that was in June of 1982. And I worked what was then called the How Food Plan. And I worked that for almost 10 years of abstinence. And during that time, I did service and I was speaking and doing retreats and sponsoring. And I lost over 100 pounds. But my recovery was in the food plan. It wasn't emerging from the inside out. And all of those things that have brought me to OA, all of those issues brought me were still there. And I was just moving through life and working my perfect food plan. Then life happened. I got married. I had a baby and I tried to um, continue in that way. But when I couldn't sustain the perfect food plan, I started to gain Carlos, weight. Carlos, I'm and so I wasn't sorry. making meetings. Yes. Can you hear me? I'm sorry. Wait a minute. We had to stop your video because you were going in and out. But now, please continue, dear. Okay. Can you can you see me now? Can you hear me now? We can hear you now. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um. Anyway, what I was saying was, um, uh, I had lost a hundred pounds, but after the food plan stopped working, and and I wasn't working the steps, and I wasn't changing from the inside out. And I gradually gained over a hundred pounds. That hundred pounds that I had lost, and I, and so after coming in at two hundred and eighty-two pounds, I bloomed up to my top recorded weight was four hundred and twenty-five pounds, and all of those things that I had not experienced became my yets. I had to go through all those things, through the shame of breaking chairs and toilet seats at people's homes, um, through the shame of putting my life in jeopardy, trying to ride on rides at amusement parks and, and, and sitting on airlines and covering myself with coats and hiding the fact that I couldn't fasten the seatbelt. I was so big that I would have to go to the post office and I would have to weigh on the freight scales. That 200 pound weight gain was the armor that I wore around me. And I was dying. I was dying physically and mentally and spiritually and emotionally. I was going to church. I was involved in, in doing all those things, but I was just dead inside. And I knew that that son that I had longed for and that I'd had in program um, that I wasn't going to be around. I was going to be dead and I, he wasn't going to have a mom. And, you know, I was, I was embarrassed. And I know that I embarrassed my kid by being the biggest mom in, in class you know, when he would come to school. 
all those things, all those yet. So after a lot of dilemma, you know, I, I, I was totally against weight loss surgery. I, I just figured, you know, but because I'd listened to other people in program and, and other people, and it was like, that was a cop out, you know, um, you, you got to do it the, the, the hard way. You know, the hard way, meaning all the things that I was, I did Weight Watchers and all the other pays, you know, I had the shots. You know, I had the pregnant mare's urine. I had the pills. I did the creams. I did the exercise. You know, I was doing all of those things and it wasn't working for me. So I finally made a decision that I was going to have the bariatric surgery. And, um, you know, that was when it was kind of popular, you know, Al Roker and um, Carly Phillips and all those people were having it. And so it was like, okay, they didn't die. So maybe it'll be okay. So um, in 2006, um, I had the ruin Y. And so I lost 100 pounds for the third time. And later I had a revision in 2017. But I was starting to gain weight again. And the bariatric surgery is what helped me to lose the weight. But the program of Overeaters Anonymous is what keeps it off. So all of those things that I had to go through, all of those decisions that I had to make um, in terms of saving my life and all of those things that I went through and all of the, the prior uh, life experiences that I'd had brought me to the fact that um, every class, I could take all the nutrition classes that I wanted to but the bottom line is that I am a compulsive overeater and that my life had become unmanageable even after having had bariatric surgery and the revision. And so what it's like now, there's a quote that says, um, those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. And food is a symptom but it's an inside job. And I came back into program in May of 2019 because for that entire 20 years that I was gone, I had friends from the program, people that I had met when I was in and had come in in, the, in 1980. And I had friends that loved me and they would invite me back to come back for birthdays and birthday parties and celebrations and special OA events. And so I was tethered by a little thin line and I would come back. But in 2019, I was grazing all day and all night. And it was a, a habit that I had picked up as a result of the bariatric surgery and not being able to eat a lot at one time. I was desperate to stop. And I came to uh, a meeting in, in May and I had come back because my old sponsor that I had worked for for years was in town and she was speaking at the LA Thursday night 100 pounders meeting. And I was struck with the gift of abstinence that night. I marked my abstinence as June 1st of 2019. And so I have a little over two years 
and I have um, uh, still maintaining like a hundred and um, sixty-five pound weight loss. Now, believe me, the road has narrowed from when I first came back two years ago. But what has kept me here this time, this time I'm working the steps and the tools. Two years ago, when my abstinence was three meals a day and a snack. And those meals, believe me, were something to behold. But what's keeping me here now and what's narrowing my road is that I make a lot of meetings. I read the literature. I make phone calls no matter what, when I'm in pain or whatever's going on. I have an action plan for my program and I have a food plan. But my food plan is not my abstinence, which is what it was 20 years ago. Um, I sponsor, I write, and I do service when I'm asked to at all levels. And the thing is that I try to keep coming back. There's a lot of things that have been going on. Um, the, one of the reasons I didn't get my pictures and my translations and all those things in is because life keeps happening. And all I have is one day at a time to do the things that I did yesterday that kept me abstinent. I have a lot of family issues and health issues and things like that. But what I do is what I did yesterday to stay abstinent, I do today to stay abstinent. And it'll take care of itself, but I'll do it tomorrow. Um, the big book talks about contempt prior to investigation. And for me, I had contempt for the bariatric process prior to investigating it. And what I had to learn and what I say over and over to people is you can get the surgery. You can have your stomach revised in whatever way you need to, but you can't get your brain operated on. You can't get your spirit operated on. And those are the things that you have to change no matter how much surgery you have. I thank God for the bariatric surgery. I thank God that I had it. I don't regret it, not at all, because it allowed me to be here and to live and to be able to be here for my family and to do the things that I've wanted to do, to have the kind of life that I needed to have. For me, I have to believe that God exists and that he will lead me through my life and he will lead me through my recovery one day at a time. So if you be new, I just say, keep coming back. If you're having, uh, contemplating having the surgery, I say, keep coming back and investigate what's best for you and for your life. And if you've already had the surgery, you already know to keep coming back, that we have to do the things that we have to do in order to maintain. So I encourage you to give up on the self-made suffering. Um, as compulsive overeaters, we have that compulsion to just suffer through. 
And I had to give up on that. And that's when I decided to have the surgery. Um, I'm the I'm just a firm believer to keep coming back. I regret leaving those 20 years, but I know that I had to suffer through and get through to get to the days that I'm having now. And I'm grateful for those days. Um, I promise you, just as the promises says, that the wonderful things that these speakers, these next people are talking about, all of those things can be yours too. Um, keep coming back. Um, you're worth it. And thank you for letting me share. Oh, Corliss, thank you so very much. As someone that's had weight loss surgery and a compulsive overeater, I just appreciate, number one, that you're alive and the courage as you showed to tell your story of hope. Thank you so very much. Thank you. All right, Allison C., you're next to, uh, to share uh, your story. Hi, everyone. I'm Allison C., I am a compulsive overeater and I am a food addict and I am a sugar addict and I am so grateful to be here. Um, I'm calling, I'm here from New York. Um, so I'm on the other side of the continent, but um, just, I'm very grateful that I was asked to speak today. Um, and this is a topic that when I first came into program, I thought was something we didn't talk about. It was like, I don't know, no one ever really discussed it. So until I found the first meeting that discussed uh, weight loss surgery, um, I didn't really share very much about it. So I'm so grateful that, that it's something that is talked about because it's part of my story. Um, I grew up in a family um, with two brothers, a mother and a father, um, pretty functional from what I gather. Um, you know, my dad was very involved in things outside the home, so he wasn't usually there. And my mom was, and I didn't know it at the time, but I look back, she was depressed and she was a compulsive overeater. So I think I inherited a lot of the behaviors from her at an early age. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I watched her and watched what she did and how she dealt with her problems. And I learned the coping mechanism of eating. And so I remember being on my first diet in fourth grade. Um, my, my brother was um, three years older than I was, and he still is. Um, and he got great joy in teasing and taunting me and telling me how ugly and how fat I was. And um, as a young person, you hear that over and over again and you begin to believe it. Um, when I look back at pictures of myself from that time, I may have been um, a bit chubby. I wasn't perfectly thin, but I was far from fat and I was far from ugly, um, but I believed him. So, I began to think that and food became my friend and my comforter. Um, and I was on my first diet in fourth grade. I would go down to the nurse once a week with a friend and we would weigh ourselves at the nurse's office. That's what a diet was then weighing yourself. Um, and then I, um, I remember going to many diets with my mom 
all different kinds of commercial programs. Um, and I would have, you know, minimal success. I'd gain, I'd lose a few pounds and then we'd stop going. Um, my first memory with food, I remember I was, I was young, but I was old enough to be home alone. Um, so I was probably maybe 12 and it was new year's Eve and both my brothers went out. My parents went out and I was home alone and I was left home with a bag of cheese doodles and a two liter bottle of Sprite. And they were my company. We rang in the new year together. Um, and, and since that is the first time I remember having a relationship with food. Um, so fast forward, I was on diets. I, I am the perfect example of a yo-yo dieter. I was on a diet till I wasn't. Um, I had stacks of cards for certain diet programs. I was constantly going back and starting over. I would lose some weight and I'd gain it back. I lost a hundred pounds um, in a program and then I gained that back. Um, I would exercise and then I would stop. Um, I never, once in my entire dieting career, for, I probably started at 10. So for 40 years, I never maintained my weight except for one time for a couple of months. Um, I got to go away a couple of times. Um, my wedding dress was purchased at a size 24. And then by the time I got married, I was a 12. So she had to take the whole dress in. Um, so many, then friends that got married the year after I would go for a fitting and then I went back and she had to remake two, two of them had to remake the dress because I gained so much weight from when I went to my fitting to when they had the wedding. Um, and then I would say in 2008, my mom got sick and she had cancer and she lost a lot of weight. She was on chemotherapy and I saw us in a mirror together. And the first thought that entered my mind, and I did not share this with anyone until I went to the first weight loss surgery meeting. Um, this was like a, a thing that was buried deep inside of me. Um, and I went to the first, I, I, I saw us in a mirror and I was standing next to my mom and she was smaller than me. And I went, oh my God, like, you know, this woman is dying of cancer. And all I could think is she's smaller than I am. And I needed to find what I could do. I needed to do something. So I looked into bariatric surgery. I met with a doctor and I was told that I needed to gain weight before I qualified for bariatric surgery. And so I did, I gained 10 pounds. I qualified for the gastric band and I had a gastric band in 2008 and it worked great again until it didn't just like a diet. When I was on, I was perfect. When I was off, I was terrible. So I went from 260 down to 180 in a very short period of time after my band. And then I learned how to cheat. Um, you can't cheat with things that get stuck, but you can cheat with other things. And so I learned all the cheating and I ballooned back up. 
to 243 pounds. Um, and it didn't make a difference whether I had a band or not. Um, my eating was out of control, but it wasn't my stomach that needed correction. So it didn't matter whether the band was there or not. Um, and then in 2016, um, actually the end of 2015, I joined another weight loss program that guaranteed I would lose 40 pounds in 40 days. And I did, because again, I am perfect when I'm on a diet. And then I wanted to lose more. So I rejoined. So that was $2,000 a pop. I spent $4,000 and I couldn't stick to it. It was too restrictive. So after six months, I lost 50 pounds. And in exactly another six months, I gained back exactly the same amount of weight. I was the exact same weight a year later and I was heartbroken. And I sat on my bed and I cried and I looked up through the phone, trying to find another diet and I couldn't find, you know, I was looking through and I got a text from someone that was involved in the most recent weight loss program. I hadn't talked to her in six months and she asked me how I was doing. And I said, I'm terrible. I gained all my weight back. I'm I said, and I didn't realize it at the time. I said, I'm shoving my feelings down my throat. And I don't know where that came from. That was God writing that because I had never even thought that way before. And she said to me, she goes, I have a friend that goes to a support group. I'm going to have her call you tomorrow. Just don't eat anything with sugar in it. And, um, and, and I'm going to have her call you. And she was my first sponsor. She took me to my first meeting. So my first meeting was October 1st in 2016. And since then, I have followed a food plan and I have maintained my abstinence through so many ups and downs, so many troubled times. And, um, and I, I heard recently that we live our life forward and we understand it backwards. And I love that because I look back now on these things, these big events in my dieting past. And I think, oh God, why did I do that? Or I shouldn't have done that. But you know what? I did that because that's what I needed to do at the time. And as I've learned in this program through the big book that um, we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. That's on the bottom of page 83. And that reminds me so much of, of having a gastric band. I don't regret it. I can't shut the door on it. It's something that I did. I could have it taken out. I don't want to. It helps me to moderate my food. It helps me to eat slowly. Um, it reminds me if I'm eating too quickly. Um, and for that, I'm grateful. I am, I am, you know, I, I am grateful for this disease. Now, um, I came into program and within the first two weeks, I was the book person because we had no books at our meeting. Someone else had dropped out. So I did service right away. I became very involved. Um, I got to meet people by being the book person. And it was such a blessing to do service. 
And I have continued to do service throughout my time in program. I've been here for four and a half years. It has changed every aspect of my life. I've gone through the steps twice fully, and I'm now working on them again. I am in recovery from life. I was addicted to more, and I'm realizing that now more of everything. When I got my gastric band, I started drinking a lot more because I couldn't eat. Um, so I've stopped when I came into program, I stopped drinking also. Um, and so I live a life of sane and happy usefulness. Am I perfect? Far from it. But you know what? Right now I'm okay with that. I don't have to be perfect. It's not all or nothing. Every day I make mistakes, but every day I learn something new. And that to me is such a blessing. I keep my mind open. And I realized when I came into program that I had a band around my stomach. I have a band around my stomach, but you know what? My stomach wasn't my problem. My head, my brain was my problem. And OA is like a band around my brain and it controls my thinking and it helps me to think clearly and to listen to what God has to say to me. And I know he comes through into my head when I sit quietly and listen. And, and, and for that, I'm incredibly grateful. Um, I, I, I am in probably the best shape I've been in. I was in the program four and a half years telling newcomers and sponsees to speak to a nutritionist but I did not. So I finally went to a nutritionist and I'm working on my food. I'm eating healthier than I was eating before. Um, my food plan has come down now to three healthy meals a day and one snack and it works. It works. And this program works. I go to at least two meetings a week and I'm in meetings for another program. I work the steps every day. Um, I live in the steps and I read the big book and I listen to what it has to say. I listen to people in program. I have friends in program. I have people I can text every day. Um, if I could give any advice to any newcomers, I would say to please, reach out, call people. If anyone gives you the number, their number, reach out to them um, because that support is priceless. Um, you know, we are blessed with this program that we just need to make a little donation to if we can afford to. Um, and, and, and that for, I will be forever grateful. And people gave to me and now I give back to people. And for that, um, you know, th there's no, no better joy in life than to see someone succeed. Um, and I, I really don't think I have much else to share. Um, so I am just, thank you for asking me to be a panelist. I greatly appreciate it. Um, my, I have, my number is up with my name. So if anyone uh, wants to reach out, I'm more than happy to speak to anyone. So thank you. Thank you so much, Allison, for your honesty and the hope that you gave to me and I know you gave to others. Thank you. 
All right, our next uh, panelist that's going to speak is Luann. I'll turn it over to Luann. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm Luann, a compulsive overeater. And uh, I wanted to just tell you, as we're all directed to do, what it used to be like, what happened, and what we're like now. Um, what it used to be like. I was born a normal weight. I have not been a normal weight since. Um, my, I, by the time I was six, I was in chubby sizes. I was 140 pounds at age 12, 250 by age 25, 300 by age 30. My top weight was 325. Ellen, can you share my photo? Um, that's, this is just diets, diets. I was on amphetamines diet. They called it diet pills, but it was speed. I was on diet pills at the age of seven. Um, my food was always watched by my family, by strangers. I'd have people, you know, guys would drive down the street, teenagers would roll the window down and yell things at me. People in a, in a restaurant or a deli would look at me and say, should you be eating that? It was um, my life. I call it, I call it the, the shame of, of appearing fat in public. It's like the last allowable um, thing. You know, we're, we're, we're supposed to be tolerant of others and taught to be sensitive to diversity. But in my opinion, um, be having a, a larger body is the last thing that, the, that is acceptable to, um, to judge people on. And uh, it's, it's just incredibly painful. And if, if it doesn't matter really how much you're overweight, in my experience, um, when I was a teenager in high school, I wasn't that big, but it didn't matter. I wasn't a socially acceptable size. And I learned uh, because, well, I'm not even sure the why, why really doesn't matter. The fact was that I really felt like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't acceptable, that I was, I felt conditionally loved as great as my family is. I felt conditionally loved because there was always comments. There were always uh, observations. Everybody watched what I was eating. I was on diets all throughout my childhood and my, well, my whole life, really. Um, my one grandmother uh, tried really hard. She was very concerned about my health. And she tried really, really hard to find a way to convince me to lose weight. Basically, what my family said was, you're very smart. You can do anything you want to do. Just push yourself away from the table. Um, comments like that obviously didn't work because, as I know now, I was an addict and I had no choice but to eat. I had no control. Um, but she, in the very nicest way, with my best interests at heart, she would say things like, no man will ever want you or you'll die before 30 of a heart attack. And I blamed myself for all of this. There was obviously something wrong with me 
that I couldn't use my self-will or my intellect to not be fat, to not be overweight. I mean, I would diet. I tried about everything there was out there. Um, I think the only thing I didn't do was wire my mouth shut. I did um, every diet that was popular at the time. There was like a B6 uh, apple cider vinegar thing. There was uh, Weight Watchers, of course, um, liquid stuff. Uh, as I mentioned, diet pills. Eventually I tried, I tried bulimia briefly, but it didn't really do anything for me. Um, I, my body image was always a struggle for me. And uh, I, regardless of my size, I would always try to wear, you know, great makeup and have a lot of, in my clothes, a lot of, you know, interest at my shoulders and my neck jewelry and earrings, because I, I tried really hard to have something about me that, that my, my, um, my injured self-esteem would deem that maybe somebody would find me more acceptable if there was something, some part of me that was more attractive, people pleasing and, um, caring what other people think about me. I was taught to be that way. I was taught to care what everyone thought of me. And it's, it's has been a constant, constant battle. Um, I have tried diets, psychology books, hypnosis, aversion therapy. If you remember the Schick Center for the Cessation of Smoking, they did that for overeaters too, where they would hook up electrodes up to my arm and shock me while I ate ice cream. The idea being it was unpleasant and that would stop me from doing those behaviors. Well, it worked on one food. It's that's not about that. This is when I when I first joined OA and I was reading the doctor's opinion and in chapters one, two, and three about what it's like to not just be a heavy eater, but to be an addict with food, to be a I have a compulsive eating addiction. Eating is compulsory. Overeating is compulsory. I can't not do it. All those stories about the jaywalker and the whiskey in his milk and the Life is horrible and I turn to food. Life is easy and I turn to food. I totally related. It was the first time I ever heard about people who, who did insane things and couldn't stop themselves. Or if they could stop, they couldn't stop from restarting. I knew I was home when I, when I was reading the big book. <clears throat> um, I even tried prayer when I was a kid. I was pretty religious as a child. And there was a lot of begging God, but the fact was I didn't really have any tools to do what the big book teaches me to do, what the 12 steps teach me to do spiritually. Luann, um, all I, yes. Do you want your picture shared? Yes, I'm please. Ready. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I mentioned it. I didn't, uh, I guess the message didn't get across. Yeah. Please share my picture. Okay. So this was me about my top weight. Um, I, I can't even, I can't hardly look at this. You know, I thought, thank you. That's, that's good. Thank you very much. I, um, I thought I was happy. Um, even though I was 325 pounds. Um, but 
when I look at pictures like that of myself now, I can see that my spirit was dead. A friend of mine, I'll, I'll just take this one little, little uh, sidebar. A friend of mine in a meeting, we were talking about um, how we cope with life at our top weight. And he said, how could we be in such denial about where we were, not just with our weight, but with our life, our life being unmanageable. And I said, for me, if I really had faced the truth about myself, I would have killed myself. Life was too miserable. Life was too painful. I couldn't do it. And I had no answer. Um, I had uh, a friend when I was, it was about 20 years ago, a friend um, told me that her doctor had suggested bar bariatric surgery. And I was really scared because I'm old enough to remember in the late 60s when people were doing surgeries for weight loss that were, I mean, I don't know what the percentage was, but a lot of those people died. It was really, really not safe. But the more I did the research and I learned that uh, it was a lot safer of a procedure, um, I decided to do the, I did a gastric bypass and I, what made me make the decision was, even if I don't lose a lot of weight, maybe this will keep me from being 400 pounds or 500 pounds. There was nothing stopping me, nothing. It didn't matter if I did temporary weight loss things. I was up and up and up and up. So I, I um, had the surgery in 2001. And in the course of about three years, I lost 110 pounds. And um, it was great. I felt, I felt amazing. I lost a shoe size. I, I wore, people didn't stare at me as if I was something malformed when they passed me on the street. Um, I was, I was uh, still over 200 pounds, but I was how can I say this normal overweight as opposed to gigantic? And, um, but I started regaining weight and they tell you, you, you can regain weight. In fact, they even consider those surgeries a success if you even gain a third of your weight back. Um, but I, I regained about 50 pounds and I was so panicked. My best friend who had had the surgery gained almost all of her weight back. She was almost 300 pounds again. And um, uh, I, I just didn't know what to do. I mean, I knew that the surgery was only a tool, that it wasn't magic. But I, I was back to the same thing. Self-reliance failed me. <clears throat> so I was seeing a therapist who recommended I go back. to. I had been in OA briefly when I was in my 20s. And it was just another diet. And I, um, he said, just, just go to three meetings. Just go to three meetings and we'll talk about it. I went to three meetings. This is 2008. I went to three meetings and I decided to stay in OA. And I'm so grateful that there were people in the rooms when I came back in who didn't just talk about the food plan and going to a lot of meetings and calling the sponsor every day. Those are all great things, but that's not the 12-step program. And what I, I, that started a journey from the last, however long it's been now, 13 years um, of increasing 
reliance on a power greater than myself, on the God of my understanding. Um, I was in OA at that point, three years, I, I, about, about 2011, I had three years of abstinence and I gave it away. And then I struggled for seven years to get back more than six or eight months at a time. And then I found a really good uh, group of people that were studying the steps, studying the book in earnest. And in the last two years, I'd say, I've, um, I learned why I had trouble staying abstinent. It's because just as always, I was relying on myself. I would uh, have my food plan. I'd go to meetings. I'd call my sponsor. I'd work the steps. But I worked the steps like they were a therapy homework assignment. Check the box. Do I believe, do I believe well enough? Can I conceive of a power greater than myself that I might someday be able to believe in when I get to step 11? Okay, check the box. Yeah, I got that. Do I believe that I'm the alcoholic variety compulsive eater? Yep, check the box, move on. I really, for some reason, never heard that part of step two that was, it doesn't matter how shaky my concept of higher power, I have to rely entirely on that higher power in order to plug in and and have access to power that will help me. And I don't even wanna say help me, access to a higher power who will give me recovery if I rely on that higher power. So for me, gastric bypass surgery is um, just one more thing I tried. Uh, it's, I still have effects. Um, I still, there are things that I, I get that's called dumping syndrome. There are things that I still cannot eat or I'll be, I just like want to shoot myself. I mean, it's, I feel so ghastly. And uh, I remember um, after the surgery, when I was eating again, I got this, you know, it's like the whiskey and the milk. I got this great idea that I could go to in and out and I could have a chocolate shake. Oh my God, such insane thing, thinking, such insane thinking. I just, it was just ridiculous. Um, so even though I had gastro bypass surgery and I have still dumping syndrome and there are foods I can't eat, did it stop me? No, no. That was just another tool. It was, it was just another diet. I, my plumbing has been permanently rearranged, but it wasn't magic. For me today, the magic is not relying on self, not, not thinking I'm, I've got, I've been abstinent three years. I know how to eat. I know how to call my sponsor. I know how to pray. I got this because what that means is I'm relying on self again and relying on self is relying on what never worked. The only thing that has worked for me has been relying on my higher power. Um, the big book says over and over that no human power can relieve my addiction. I must rely on a power greater than myself. The other thing I wanted to share is that this is focus on food and focus on um, weight is 
in my opinion, very detrimental to recovery. I don't mean it's not important, but I mean, focusing on that gives the impression, in my opinion, gives the impression that if I lose weight, I'm recovered. Or if I go to more meetings, then I'm recovered. To me, that is, that is just really deadly. Food and weight are simply a symptom of my spiritual sickness. Gentle time. And thank you. You're at 16 minutes. Thank you. Um, I, uh, uh, does, does the physical matter? Absolutely. But I'm promised in the big book that when the spiritual is taken care of, the physical and mental follow. I have, I can be recovered from food obsession and recoil from it as if from a hot flame. I can be, I can have a reprieve from my mental craziness if I continue to work the steps on a daily basis in all of my life. But what this requires is a continual turning toward my higher power for reliance, for direction, for suggestions, for help, for relief from the fear, for uh, grounding. And, but it's not just turning to God, it's a spiritual program of action. So today, what I try to practice to the best of my ability is, is our threefold solution to a threefold problem. The physical, which is meetings and fellowship, the spiritual, which is turning to God and depending on my higher power, and the mental, which is the steps and the new way of living that little by little, as long as I keep my spiritual program in line, is helping me be a better human and treat other people with compassion and reach out to other suffering compulsive eaters, whether over or under, who, um, who need access to this spiritual gift. Thank you.